That was a short special. At the same time, very good, very meaningful. Amen. This time, if you are from age three to age six, Children's Church will be dismissed to this door. I believe Russ and Tanya Walker have it today. And we promise if you send your kids out that door with them, we will bring them back. And uh, we promise we'll bring them back. Amen. Thank you for allowing them to go today. For the rest of us, if you have your Bibles, please turn to Hebrews 4. The book of Hebrews 4, 11 through 13. And as Tommy mentioned, we do want to talk to you today about the measuring stick. The Scripture talks many times with illustrations. Yes, sir. Oh, okay. This man right here has been with us for five years. He is my boy. This is my boy. Uh, Brother Darren has has meant a lot to us and to y'all. I think it's time that we say thank you for your service and uh, showing, show them that we love them. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I think, I think this is Tommy's third year was the anniversary date was what he was referring to. It would be January and, uh, You've put up with me since February. This February will be five years. So uh, thank you so much for that. And um, let me just pray real quick. God, thank you for so much observances and memories. You, life is so full. We can never <laughs> celebrate enough. You're so good to us. My, my heart is, is uh, lifted today. I get to see a bunch of kids excited. And I get to be in a church that loves us. And is actually glad we're here. God, thank you. And Lord, we dedicate this part of the service to the reading of your word and the proclamation of your gospel. You're so good. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, church. Measuring stick. Hebrews four eleven through thirteen. In Scripture, many times things are referred to as illustrations or symbols that are used, and and this is one of those instances in, in which you have an illustration. You have something that you can understand. I could take these guys right here, and I'm not going to because I got a little bit more sense than that. But I could turn these guys loose with two or three uh, samurai swords and a couple of big long machetes and things like that, and they would have one great time. Amen? Now, we may end up going to the emergency room and a few dozen stitches and, and those types of things, but there's also a reason you just don't turn Cub Scouts and boys loose with swords, aren't there? you got to be careful. There are some rules that go along with 
how to handle a sword. There's some common sense that has to come into play that even though I, I trust Luke and I trust uh, Jackson to some, some extent, I'm not quite ready to turn them loose and say demonstrate. Because I, you know, I, I, it just, it, we might get that way. And don't feel bad, boys, because I'm that same way with a pocket knife. My wife cringes every time I open one. I, I've got cuts on my hands that demonstrate the fact that I don't know what I'm doing. But we need to be aware today that this illustration is important and it gives us a good picture of what the Scripture, God's Word, is all about. So if you'd stand with me to Hebrews, as we read Hebrews 4, 11 through 13. I want to read this in your hearing, verse 11 through 13. It says this, church, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the Word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Father, thank you once again for your word. I pray you'd bind any force that would keep it from being planted in the hearts of those who would hear. And God, by the Holy Spirit, I pray you would seal it in those hearts so we could use it in the days to come. We love you so much. And we thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you look at that first verse, it talks a little bit about rest. And a lot of us would like to know what that is. There are a lot of these parents and other parents that are out there that have some kids. And you don't have to have a whole lot of kids to want some rest. One kid will do it. Amen. And uh, if you've got more than that, then you want a lot of rest. But the rest that it's referring to here in, in verse 11 would, been under, would have been understood by the Israelites to have meant coming into the promised land. That would have been the ultimate rest. God promised you can have this land, and when you get there, it's yours. You're going to get the rest. You ever been on a long trip and just couldn't wait to get there? And the kids say, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And so we know that we get to a point that we want to be there, and when you get there, it's good to be there. But what's better than getting to your destination on a long trip is what? Getting back to your house after the long trip. It's even better to be in your own bed in your own house and to have that feeling. And in the context of this, the rest would have been understood by the Israelites to mint promised land. But for believers, us, we can make this application that rest can be our salvation because I'm resting in Jesus this morning because of my salvation. Amen? I'm not fretting. I'm not worried. I'm not trying to figure things out. I, I know a lot of things need to, need to happen in my life and there are probably some things I'd like to work better. But one thing I'm not worried about this morning is whether or not I'm saved because I know in Jesus it's settled. And I'm resting in that comfort, amen, that I am saved by His grace and His love for me. And so I, I'm resting in that. And also as a believer, we can rest one day that we're going to have an eternal rest. We're going to be in heaven one day. We're going to be in that, that, that place by and by, in, in, in that shore one of these days. We're going to be there resting ultimately with Him. And so I'm, I'm looking forward with that to that too. But these Israelites ended up wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years because of unbelief and because of disobedience. And the writer of Hebrews tells us that as we look at this here in verse 12, 
there is an ultimate measuring stick in regards to where we stand with our relationship with Jesus Christ. Church, that measuring stick is the Bible. There are a lot of things out there that we base our church experiences on. Worship experiences and programs and activities and, and mission endeavors. And, and churches are involved in a lot of good stuff. And there's nothing wrong with them. But I want to share with you today that if your church, if this church, if any church ever strays from what God has said in His Word, we're, we're in a big trouble. We have to rely solely on what God says to us. And we see that so clearly in His Word. Did you know there's some things in here that I might not necessarily just, just love completely, but I accept because guess what? God said it. He's the one that tells us. That, you know, there's some things that if I could take some of these things out and be okay with it, there might be some stuff that, that I would take out. But I tell you what, I believe what God says. I accept what God says. We don't, we don't get one of those things. I saw, uh, heard a funny commercial one time. I think I've shared it with you before about the guy who invented the erasable Bible. And you can just, it's not real, so don't worry, but it's the erasable Bible and you can just take out the parts that you don't want. Well, you know, it doesn't work that way. God's Word is what it is. That's what He says. And, and, and the church, this church and any church is to be based on what He has said and what, what He wants for us to know and what He wants for us to do. And, and when we stray from that, we have no direction to go. When we, when we get away from living by those principles, then, then we've got a trouble uh, and, and some big trouble that we have to deal with. And so as we look at this Scripture, we see that it is the Bible that allows us to judge for ourselves who we are and where we are and where we stand. And the Scripture gives us some descriptions today in Hebrews 4, and I picked out three. And I just want to share those in the brief time that we have. And the first one is this. The first description is the fact that the Word is living. Now, if you're not sure when I say what the Word is, let me make sure that you understand. We call Scripture, the Bible, the Word, okay? This right here we refer to as the Word. And so the Word is living. There's a, there's a commentary that I read sometimes. It's called the Zondervan Illustrated Bible Backgrounds Commentary. Now, that's a long title. But this commentary says this about it. It says that first century Judaism and Christianity both understood the Word of God to be a force in creation administration and judgment. The Word is indicated by the words living and active must not be thought of as something just static speech. Rather, it's a dynamic power that has the ability to affect change both in the created order and in the individual lives. Folks, the Word brings life and it renews life. It affects your life. It changes your life. You, how many times have you read from Scripture something and it changed you just the way you read it? You know, many times we look at it and we say, hmm, I'm not real crazy about that. But you need to understand something. When you read it, when you hear it, you're accountable for what it says. And it's important to understand that. This is a very, in some hands, in, in, in some ways, this, the Word of God, is very dangerous. Would you agree? I guarantee you there's a world of demons that knows it's dangerous. There's a Satan that exists who knows that it's dangerous. This is a dangerous thing, and it does what it's supposed to do. It's not a benign book. 
It's not just something that you pick up off the shelf and say, I think I'll read this. It's January, it's February, it's first of the year. I'll get back on my Bible reading. That lasts about mid part of January, and then we're on to something else. But but this is a very powerful instrument. Very powerful. And we look at it, it's just something we would read, but this is more than just a book. Understand that. It's more than just something you pick up. We, if you ever notice what you plate, there's not a book on your shelf that you really that's worthy to, to share the same shelf as this book. The dictionary? That's usually where it ends up, by the dictionary or on a coffee table with a TV guide. But really, I don't even know if we do TV guides anymore. How many people still buy TV guides? Isn't it amazing how computers have made some things almost obsolete? Well, that's a side note. We'll get back to this. But... The Word of God is so powerful, so lethal, it does what it's supposed to do, and it's living. It brings life. It renews life. John 1.1 says it this way, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Understand it didn't say the Word was a God, but the Word was God. So there is a written word, there is a living word, and through the written word, I'm revealed, it is revealed to me, the living word. And I want to share with you today, the living word is Jesus Christ. And if you want to know about Jesus, you learn about Him through His word. And the word is living. It, 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 it breathes, it, it, it moves. Have you ever... Talk to someone who, who gave you the impression that, that they thought it was just kind of outdated. Have you ever thought of the Bible as outdated? If you be honest, you'd have to say, well, sometimes I wonder. And I mean, we were reading some stuff out of Deuteronomy. That's where we were today, right? Deuteronomy. And we were reading stuff about eating bugs in Scripture. And how certain bugs you're supposed to eat and certain bugs you're not supposed to eat and you're not supposed to eat certain... Did you know that by those old standards, many of us would be in trouble because how many of us had catfish in the last week? I'll put my hand up. There's a lot of things we may look at and try to figure out the relevance. But I want to tell you, just because you may not see the relevance and understand it the first time you read it, doesn't mean it's not relevant. You may have to go back and read it again, but it's there. And there's a purpose for everything that's in Scripture. And there's a purpose for everything that God has said and allowed you to have. You might say, well, how do we know what's supposed to be in the Bible? I want to assure you this morning, it's there. God made sure that everything He said and wanted you to know was placed in His canon. I don't know how He did it through all the authors other than to say this. He's God and He can do that kind of stuff. And you might want to reason that out. You may want to try to figure it out. You may be compelled to think, well, what about this other gospel of... of, uh, Name and name, Bubba, or whatever. I mean, a lot of times you, you might hear these other, well, what about this and what about that? Understand, everything God wants you to know as His Word is in His Word. He made a way for that to happen. And, and I might not be able to explain it in a way that makes a whole lot of sense, but I do trust Him in what He does. And God makes a way for us to have everything He wants us to have in His Word. The Word is living. And the word, second principle is this. The word is powerful. The word is powerful. It has the power to change us. 
if, if you want to figure out what kind of power Scripture has, just go in a place where you know they're not reading Scripture on a regular basis. Where you know they really don't know a whole lot about it or, or respect it in a whole lot. And just start reading the Bible. And it will make people move. Maybe to the exits, but it will make them move. If you ever notice the powerfulness of Scripture and Gospel and the Word of God, all you got to do is mention it. i tell you what, go to your favorite place, Walmart, and stand in line. You'll have plenty of time to read Scripture, amen? Because you'll be in line at Walmart. And you'll be looking for something to do. You open the Scripture up and start reading it. You watch how much movement happens. There's another nut. You think it would get people to moving? You'd get some people, hey, that's good. Amen. That, I like that. Thank you for reading. You get some people that, that acknowledge you in a positive way. You get some people acknowledge you in a negative way. You get some people who very quickly bless you with their absence because they don't want to be anywhere around you. But there's no apathetic response to God's Word. There's no, oh yeah, that's... See, God's Word's going to move you one way or the other. You can't just accept it apathetically. You just can't say, well, I want you to know this morning that you either accept what it says or you reject what it says. And that's not the way I set it up, but that's the way God designed it. You might say, well, I'll wait. And Did you know when you say, I'm going to wait and make a decision about something, you've made a decision about something. Because you really don't know if you'll be able to come back and amend that. You'd like to be able to. You hope you're able to. But you don't know that. You may not have an opportunity to come back and say, you know what, I want to reconsider that thought. What you decide today, you might as well look at all practical intents is, is permanent. Did you know that? Your impression when you leave here today about the Word could be for you permanent because you may not get the opportunity to change your mind. That's a pretty powerful statement if you think about it. The Word is powerful. It has the power to change it. It change us. It has the powerful t- power to preserve us. It has the power to save us. Romans 1.16 says it this way, For I am not ashamed of, of the Gospel of Christ, For it is the what? The power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. There's no division. There's no age division. I'm so glad that when you look at kids this age, I want you to know that that God saves kids this age. I want you to know that God saves old folks. And I'm not looking in any particular direction. But God saves all who will come. You don't have to be a particular color. You don't have to be a particular persuasion. You don't have to be a... Listen, God will save you as you come. If changes need to happen, my God knows how to make the changes happen. Amen? But He will accept you the way you come. You come just as you are. God will receive you. And if He's called you and you're coming, it works. Amen? He loves you. He wants to save you. And through the blood of Jesus, which He... He shed freely on a cross. He made a way for you to be saved. And there's no distinction there. You don't have to have a certain amount of money to do that. You don't have to live in the right neighborhood to get it done. 
If God calls you and you believe, then you're saved. The Gospel is the ultimate expression of the Word. It is rescue to all who will receive it. The sad thing is this morning that there's too many that we can't even think of how many through the course of time who have rejected what God said to them. And I say that this morning not in a judging tone. I say it with a certain amount of sadness. Because it's a shame. There's nothing special about me. There's nothing special about anyone who has believed what God says to them through His Word. The only thing special is that God has received them and has changed them. Third principle is this. The Word is sword-like. Now, I took all those things and wrapped them up together so I could shorten it for illustration's sake. There's a lot of things that says piercing and cutting. And I just call that sword-like because that's what a sword does. It's sharper. It's piercing. It discerns. It cuts. It penetrates. In church, it reveals the true character of who we are. There's a lot of, of when you look at the Greek words, there's a lot of illustration that kind of goes with a surgeon's knife. Talking about a sword, you don't want to turn a scalpel loose either. There's a whole lot of cutting that could go on. Can lay bare. That's what the Word does to us. It lays bare sometimes. Sometimes I'm cut pretty deeply by what Scripture says to me. And I've share, I'm going to share with you again, and I want to get this across to people because we have this mistaken impression. I may say this every service this year, but I'm going to keep doing it until we listen. We have the mistaken understanding that when we come to church and leave, we're supposed to feel good. Now, I get quiet on that. There's, there's, there's a stillness when I say that. But, but let me say it again. We get the impression that when we come to church, we're supposed to leave pumped up and happy about everything we just heard. And if you did, that's fine. Good for you. But I have left scripture. I have left the church before mad. Not at you. But I've left it mad because this reveals me. And I'm not happy sometimes. But did you know that's okay too? Who was it? Mom or daddy or somebody you say that you can get happy in the same pants that you got mad in? That's true. Scripture reveals who you are for a purpose. God loves you. He wants you to see who you are. And He wants to make you even better. And as we look at this, it reveals our true character. The word in Greek for discern means to, to be a critic to criticize. You met people that can pick apart anything. Oh yeah, they, they read a book and, oh, I loved that book. And then they'll just start, oh no, it doesn't agree with this. And I hate that with movies. You go to a movie and you think it's like the best movie you've ever seen. And then you, do y'all know some smart movie folks that they go to all the movies and they have opinions on all the movies? I guess that's all they do is watch movies. 
And I say, oh yeah, that's a good man. Then they start telling me all the symbolism and stuff there, and I guess I'm just dumb because I didn't catch any of it. All I know is there's some big explosions, and I really liked it. I didn't care about the acting. I'm about, you got bombs and guns and, and airplanes. I mean, it's it car chases. It, it's it's good. And yet, some people overanalyze it, or maybe I underanalyze it. To criticize, to critique, to pick apart, to discern. If, if anybody has a right to, to critique your life and who you are and what you do, it's God. And He does that through the Word. And it's a way in which He brings those things to us and for us to understand. I think you also, 2 Timothy 2.15 tells us, and this kind of gets to what I was saying about turning swords loose to Boy Scouts and Cub Scouts, is that you need to know how to use it. 2 Timothy 2.15 tells us to be diligent to present yourself approved to God. A, a worker who does not need to be ashamed doing what? Rightly, rightly dividing the word of truth. Because the blade will divide quickly. You get the right metal, the right steel, sharpened to the right point. You can do some serious cutting. Rightly dividing the word of truth. I was thinking about that. And of course our boys have been involved in scouting. This is the first year they're not. And I got Joshua's permission to borrow a couple of his. He, he collects a few. He started. He doesn't have a lot, but he's collected. I know you're getting nervous. I'm opening a blade. Sorry, honey. He collects and has a few collections of pocket knives that are scouting pocket knives. Now, i got to be careful. There's the right way to do this. Here's two. This is his newer one, and then this is an old one that we bought at one of the things. You can tell. And the scouts do a good job Trying to train these boys at a certain age. I don't. Th when do they do the whittling chip bads? Is that in Weeblos or is that Bear? Okay. So that really the only group out here that would not have been connected to that yet would probably be the Tigers, the guys in orange. Get ready. They're gonna have knives one day. Hang in there, right? But we just said and kind of joked that that it would, you know. If you turn folks loose that don't know what they're doing with knives, that can be a dangerous proposition. And so the scouts go through, and I, I just want to read this quickly to you. They have a thing called the Cub Scout Pledge when it comes to the knife or the whittling chip. And I think I got this down right. It says, I will treat my pocket knife with the respect due a useful tool. You think I ought to respect this? Because if I don't, I can lose a finger. Or some skin. I will always close my pocket knife and put it away when not in use. I will not use my pocket knife when it might injure someone near me. Don't you don't you wish somebody would have told you this when you were learning to use a pocket knife, Jim? You probably had you you probably had folks tell you that. I, I promise never here's a good one. And I'm, I probably didn't pass this test. I promise never to throw my pocket knife for any reason. Resist the temptation, boys. I will use my pocket knife in a safe manner 
at all times. There, is, is there a correct way to use this tool for it to do its purpose? Absolutely. Same thing with the Word of God. Because as cutting as this is, this can be cutting too. You want to be able to use it in the right way. Did you know that Scripture can even damage the cause of Christ? Did you know that? I, let me share with you what I'm saying. People can take Scripture out of context and say things that they want to say just to prove a point. And guess what? They can mess folks up doing that, can't they? How many times have... And you know, the interesting thing for me is, is, is if I'll take one particular issue and we'll start talking. And, and people that don't claim any church affiliation, don't know anything about Scripture, it's amazing how biblically scholarly they come all of a, become all of a sudden. Some of the... If you, want, if you don't know how to act as a Christian... Just go out in the world and somebody will tell you pretty quick. Now, they won't be a Christian, but they'll bring... In other words, they know Scripture, at least one or two of them, and they, they go to seed on those Scriptures. Listen, when we take Scripture, we are to take all Scripture. We are to, to take every bit of it for what it is. And just like being careful with these knives and being careful with swords and respecting what they do, we need to respect God's Word. You know, sometimes we need to just read Scripture and let it sink in. Did you know the preacher don't always have to say something about what he's read? Sometimes I can read Scripture and sit there and look at you and you look at me and we both know what it just said. I don't have to comment on that. Sometimes we need to just do that. We feel the need to add an illustration and sing a few songs and get the drum beat pumping just right. But I want to share with you that if we did nothing but come and just read the Bible, we'd be fulfilled if we'd listen to it. Just as the scouts learn how to learn and respect this useful tool, their knife. How many of you got your whittling chip badge? Come on, that should be all the wee blows and... You know, they're accountable for that too. I think if I remember this correctly, if, if they're seen throwing their pocket knife, they get a little corner tore off that card. If they get them all torn off, then they lose their right to bring a knife to meeting and that kind of stuff. They're held accountable, aren't they? I want to share with you today that God holds us accountable to know what He says. There's only four corners on one of those little cards that you could rip off before you lose your privilege of carrying a knife? I know in my life God's probably ripped off a whole lot more corners than that. But He's got mercy and grace enough to let me come again. If you find yourself in that place today, God's Word is here for you and God Himself is here for you. He's more than just what He says, but He's also a living, personable Savior. He's more than just pages in a book. But He is the Word, the living Word of God. I ask you to stand as they come to do the invitation. If you have any reason to come to the front today, a decision to make public, or if you'd just like to pray at the front, and I encourage you to do that. One of us will pray with you. You can pray by yourself. But don't neglect this time to make your connection with God. Father, thank You for Your Word what it means to speak to the hearts of those that are listening today. In Jesus' name.
thank you for being with us today, this special day in which we recognize our scouts. We'll also have Girl Scout Sunday coming up. Is that next month or really soon? We have a Girl Scout troop of several of our girls that meets at our church. And anything that we can do, and we share that with you guys too, to, to help with our kids, uh, we want to be a part of that. Amen, church. And so we are thankful. I, I would like to, I, I'll make it real quick, I would like to recognize a couple people involved with our scouting program. Uh, Mr. Jerome Legrand, if you'll just raise your hand. This is this is the current scoutmaster of Pac-30, is that correct? Yeah, that's kind of changed since I haven't been connected before, but he's doing, I'm sure, a great job. And then Mindy Chapin is, what's your official title? Chief bottle washer and all that stuff? She she does everything that Jerome don't want to. How about that? But uh, what's your official title? Committee chair. And then, and then help me, who else with us today has an official title? Becca has. She's treasurer, and she makes sure that they don't spend too much money. That's important. And anybody else? I think Gina is. Gina's back there. She, what, she's connected. Not, okay, anybody else? Not Gina. Cheryl. I was thinking Gina was here, but Cheryl's who I'm trying to talk Cheryl has been didn't leave her. I'm sorry, Cheryl. Please forgive me. I know you as well as I know myself. I'm sorry. All right. Anybody else? And then there's a bunch of parents that show up for meetings, right? And so that's helpful too. All right. Thankful for them. Yeah, let's do that. You guys come up.